0: Good morning, everybody. Is do I not have the mic on or? Okay, seemed kind of quiet. All right, how are you guys feeling today? Good. Uh, anybody get that illness this week that's been going around? Yeah, it's been pretty rough, huh? Wow, it's a, it's a rough one. Uh, well, this week we're gonna, we're uh, continuing our series. as do you guys remember the name of the book that we're in? Luke. 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 Man, yeah, this is three years, right? So we're going to get three years of Luke. Oh, man. Here we go. I know. I actually, I tried to find, when I was writing this this week, I actually tried to find a, a way somehow to incorporate some sort of Star Wars thing. But, and I found a way, and, I, and then but God told me not to do it, so... <laughs> There we go. Let's talk about Luke. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Our our scripture this morning is between 26 and 38. We're going to get started with that. If uh, you don't have a Bible, uh, we always have some in the back. You can grab one. You can raise your hand, and um, our usher will bring you one, or you can just follow along on the screen. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant," Mary answered. "May your word be fulfilled to me." Then the angel left her. Let's pray. Father God, we're just uh, so grateful just to be here right now in your presence, Lord God. And I just I pray right now over all the illnesses that are going on in this room, God, uh, that your just your Holy Spirit just <clears throat> fills us up and washes away all these illnesses, God. There is no room for illness in this room, and we go home today, leaving here changed and transformed, not just healthy and alive and vibrant. But God, we leave here changed from the, from the heart. We leave here with your word inside of us. We pray these things in your name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Have you ever done something in life that seems um, impossible or really hard to do? Or at least maybe you thought it seemed impossible at first at the time? At the time you were thinking, you know, no way it's just going to happen. But now when you look back at it, you're like, oh yeah, I could see how that happened. Well, when I look back at my own life, I have seen that actually happen. I could tell you with complete honesty right now that it would be absolutely, when I look back at my life 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I could tell you it would be absolutely impossible for me to be standing here right now this morning on the stage in front of you. It would be impossible without God's word coming true in my life. I was raised Catholic. As some of you know, uh, I was an altar boy as a kid, and I, I did all of the, the ceremony and uh, did, prayed to, the Holy, to Mary and did all the things that I learned later on. I didn't have to do any of that stuff, but I was raised Catholic, and I, as a kid, I was serious about it, but growing up, I became a teenager, and all of my thoughts of God left, and I turned my back on the church. I turned my back on God, and I went a completely different, selfish path. It was a path of self-destruction as a teenager and and into my early 20s. Um, I made a lot of bad choices in my life. And one of these choices ended up with me being in a jail cell. I was probably 20 or 21 at the time. And it was scary. If anyone's ever been in a jail cell, especially when you're younger, and this is a concrete room, I don't remember the dimensions, but it was a concrete room, there was one toilet against the wall, and there was like probably 30 guys just crammed into this room, and they were all older than me, they were, you know, and it was scary, it was in the middle of the night, um, people were just sleeping underneath the toilet, you didn't want to go near the toilet, it was just a horrible situation as a young adult, and it was Absolutely frightening to me. Throughout my earlier days, I had run from God. I was running from God. He was relentlessly pursuing me, but I would continue to run from God. It wasn't until he finally sat me down, he used my circumstances against me, and I was stuck in that jail cell, couldn't go anywhere, couldn't run anymore. I had no choice but to listen to God, and he used that opportunity to talk to me. And he would just speak things into my life. He'd be speaking, he'd say, Jeremy, I have so much more for you. I have so much better for you than what what you're doing in your life. Why are you doing it this way? My way is so much better. Follow me. Do what I'm asking you to do and you will be so much happier in life. It was the beginning, but it was a new beginning in my life, a new beginning in my story. I didn't have to let my past, uh, dictate who I am or what I do. I've got Jesus in my life now at this point, and all I have to do is follow Jesus. But it was impossible. At that time in my life, I had a hard time getting a job. I had a a background, and if you've ever had one, it's difficult to get a job. I, I remember applying for so many different jobs and then that little box that says, have you ever been convicted, and you, and, you, know, and you struggle with that, you think, well, maybe I shouldn't do that, maybe I shouldn't check that box. But then your integrity kicks in, especially when you're a Christian, you've got Jesus in your life, you say, yes, I did. And a lot of times that application just gets thrown in the trash. And so it's hard to get a job. I was doing a Bible study, and I was also doing a men's accountability group at 6 o'clock in the morning in Spokane, and I remember this. And... A pastor friend who was in that group, he uh, he showed me grace. He showed me mercy. And he offered me a position as a janitor at the church in Spokane. And of course, I said, yes, thank you so much for that. You know, I would love to do that. But was God a part of this? Was he showing me something? Was he showing me that there is nothing impossible with God? This newfound life, this newfound This new job I had, I was encouraged by this pastor to finish school, to go back and get my GED because I had dropped out of high school. So I did. And then I started taking Bible classes. I found I was pretty good in these Bible classes. It's tough. I remember high school, I would get D's and C's. I was that, you know, that student. I had a struggle with high school. I had a hard time with it. I remember taking biology probably two or three times. It was rough. I was not a science person. But when I took the Bible classes, I got straight A's, and and it's just because I had Jesus in my life. Now I had this newfound respect for everything around me, including myself. And I found out I was pretty good with working with kids. I uh, did ministry. I was the janitor, but then I also learned how to do the soundboard. And from there, the same pastor he said, "Hey, I want you to do children's ministry. So I want you to, you know, come alongside me, and we're going to do kids ministries." okay I'll come alongside you and so I remember the day he took me into the children's ministry room there's probably 30 kids there and uh, he turned around and he left and I didn't see him for three months and so it was trial by fire and that was fun I don't suggest that as a teaching method for me it worked but for a lot of people that's a little bit tougher as you come along in our children's ministry, I guarantee we will show you what to do. Um, but God was along. He was with me each step of these. If I look back now, I look back from that moment when I turned away from this darker path and followed Jesus. I can see where Jesus was in every step of that. God was following me along. He was walking. He was, it was completely orchestrated. And it's amazing. It's a miracle to see that now. God was using the impossible at the time to build my faith to build my trust in him. Maybe this week, even this week alone, maybe you had a hard week. Maybe it was a really hard week. And maybe you thought it would be impossible for you to be here this morning. Maybe you thought, you know, I don't want to go to church today, or I don't want to go to church this coming Sunday. You know, I just don't want to be around people. I don't want to do worship. I don't want prayer. I don't, I don't want to hear anything. I just, I just want to be alone right now. I don't want to hear from God. But you're here. The Bible is filled with examples of this very thing, trusting in the Word of God even when it seems impossible. First, I believe I believe in the Word of God. I believe that the Word of God is real. I believe it happened. I believe that it is true. And I know this because I have experienced this in my own life. And that's why it's so important. It's why I keep reading the Bible. It is life breathed into me. And some of you have experienced this as well, go ahead and take a look at this video clip.
1: Reading God's word is like if you don't read it, it's like going without food or water. So the in First Timothy it says all Scripture is God breathed, and it's like the foundation of our lives. And if you're not reading the word, you're not getting any any of that spiritual food that you need. Um, so it's it's vital.
0: The Word of God, it is vital. It is vital. It's so important. God loves to do the unexpected to perform the impossible and to defy our understanding. He likes to challenge us. He likes to just turn everything we believe inside of us, He likes to turn it over. For example, that's what exactly what happened in Judges 7. It's a story of Gideon's army. Some of you probably know this. Um, but before allowing Gideon's army to fight the enemy, God, He shrank the army down. It had... 32,000 soldiers in it. He shrank it down to 300 soldiers. What is God doing at this point? He's crazy to shrink down an army of 32,000 to 300. Who can win that? But in the Bible, it describes the Israel's opponents at the time, the Midianites and the Amalekites, and the people of these as being so numerous that they look like a swarm of locusts. The Word of God says their animals cannot be counted. They were like sand by the seashore in multitude. Have you ever picked up a handful of sand at the beach and then tried to count each individual grain of sand? That's impossible. It's impossible. But the Israelites, they won that battle. They won that fight. And God delivered Gideon's army from their enemies. And that same power... That helped them that day, that same power from God, it is in your life today. It is in your life today, it is in your life tomorrow and forever. How about Noah? The story of Noah. Build me an ark, God says. Build it for me in the middle of dry land. Must have been pretty impossible for Noah. He must have struggled with that. He must, are you kidding me? Build me an ark in the middle of dry land? The impossible can only be accomplished by faith. The impossible can only be accomplished by faith. And God has a habit of asking to do impossible things of his people. And in all such circumstances, God calls his people to radical obedience. He calls us to trust him. But do we trust him? Do we trust him? The issue isn't whether we obey, it's how we obey. Do we do the impossible thing God is calling us to do with hope and confidence? Or do we say yes to God out of fear and reluctance? I know when I was a Catholic, yeah, that's what it was. It was out of fear and reluctance. I either followed these Ten Commandments or I went to hell. That's just the way it was. But do we follow God out of hope and confidence? Confident that God is going to do amazing things in your life. Confident that God is going to answer your prayers. He's going to speak life into you. And that's what's going on in this conversation right now between Mary and the angel Gabriel. The impossible becoming possible. This says in verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. This is the same angel, by the way, that God or that Dan was talking about last week. The same angel that went to Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, and told him that Elizabeth would become pregnant with John. So God uses Elizabeth in her old age at the time, to bring John, who would go about. John would do amazing things in the Bible. And then on the opposite end of that spectrum, he would use Mary, a virgin teenager from Nazareth, a town by the way that was so obscure that it says in, that Nathaniel says in John one forty six, can anything good even come out of Nazareth? It was a small, shabby town. It was not even. It wasn't on the trade route. It was in the middle of nowhere, and had probably four hundred people living in it. And God would use this place. This little poor town, a little poor teenage virgin to be the mother of God, to, be the, to bring about the Savior of the world. So let's continue. It says, God sent the angel Gabriel of, to Nazareth, a t- little town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now I love this next part in verse 29. It says Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So an angel he shows up to you. He shows up. There's an angel. He says, "Hi, the Lord is with you," and she's troubled. Of course she's going to be troubled, people. Of course she's. Gonna, who would not be troubled if an angel shows up to you? Right now, Mary is running through what she just heard in her mind. She's trying to make sense of what she is uh, physically seeing in front of her and what she is hearing. She's trying to get these words going through her head. She, she doesn't know what's going on. It is completely beyond her sensible comprehension. She doesn't know. It's like in high school, when you were, or in any school. When you're in school and the teacher gives you a note and says, hey, you need to go to the principal's office. And you don't know what's happening. There's only two reasons why you can do that. Either you did something really, really good, or... Not so good. And that's what I think of when I think of this story. Like, oh, man, Mary, what did I do wrong? What, why is this angel here? What did I do? Mary didn't, probably didn't even hear, hear the first part of that conversation when Gabriel tells her that she is highly fav- favored. Most likely because there is a shock factor. There is an angel in front of you, Right? And the angels are probably pretty scary looking. They're described several times in the Bible. And there's been times in the Bible that when an angel does show up, and they're awesome creatures, by the way, it always follows with, do not be afraid. There is a reason for that church. And they show up unannounced. There's no meeting scheduled with an angel. you would be walking along, and there's an angel in front of you, and they're probably pretty fearsome creatures. But the angel says to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. See, he has to remind her and reassure her that she has found favor with God. And he goes on to say, in verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. Seems simple enough so far, but gotta wait for it. In verse 32, he will be great and will be called the son of most high. The Son of Most High. A little bit of pressure now. You're telling it, you're telling Mary she's gonna have a baby. She's gonna be the Son of Most High. He's gonna be the Son of Most High. And it says, the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign for he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will have will never end. His kingdom will never end. So now Mary's jaw has probably dropped. Yeah. Stop right there. Wait. Hold up. Time out. Are you kidding me? You're saying first. I'm going to have a baby, which, by the way, is impossible, and that he's going to reign over the world forever. If I were Mary, I would be skeptical, to say the least, just a little bit. She says in verse 34, How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since uh, I am a virgin? This is impossible. I am a virgin. Maybe angels don't realize how babies are made but she's a virgin. But no, Gabriel knows what's happening. And he says in verse 35, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Gabriel knows Mary's hesitation. And so he has to remind her. He has to tell her about Elizabeth, who's her relative. In verse 36, even Elizabeth By the way, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month. I had to do some research about what is considered um, old age. From back in those days, at least. It's different now. Yeah, back in those days. In those days, old age was considered between 60 and 70. But some scholars believe that Elizabeth was even as old as 88 when she gave birth to John. 88 when she gave birth to John. And and Mary knows Elizabeth. They're relatives. But they don't have Facebook or phones or anything like that. And so she's hearing this for the first time. Wait. I knew Elizabeth. I knew she cannot have a baby. And now you're telling me she's going to have a baby. This news had a profound effect on Mary. What would hearing this do to Mary's faith? Certainly it would increase her faith because God could give barren Elizabeth a son in her old age. If that can happen, then nothing was too difficult for God. So now hearing that Elizabeth was now pregnant, that should have been impossible, but since it was from God, it had to be true. It meant that it was more than possible. It was happening, it was real, and it was then and there. Scripture says in verse 37, and say this with me if you would, for no word from God will ever fail. Amen. No word from God will ever fail. Have you ever seen evidence of God's faithfulness in your life? Take a look at this video.
1: Oh, a daily basis just there's times where i go to make a decision and i want to go one way but i just i know what the truth is based on on just the bible and the reading that i've done and that it just motivates me to walk into that and to to make the good choices to do the right thing to and when i do mess up you know go before god and say you know i messed up and then uh, keep going again, and uh, just trusting God in the midst of that. Great is your faithfulness,
0: faithfulness. Have you ever seen evidence of God's faithfulness in your life? So Lucinda and I, it was uh, we've been married now forever, I'm going to say, forever. Almost 23 years. Praise God. And it was early on in our marriage. We had two beautiful sons, uh, both of whom are here today, which is awesome, another miracle in itself. But we had two beautiful boys, and we loved children, and we loved, you know, having kids. And we struggled in our life. We struggled at times, just like anyone else in our marriage. We struggled. And here we are with two beautiful boys, but with enough love for more children. And we had tried years and years to have another child. We could not have a child. The doctors told us it would be impossible for Lucinda to get pregnant. It would be impossible to have another child. And if we did get pregnant, that it would have to be terminated for Lucinda's health. That it's impossible. They kept using that word impossible. During these struggles, we fell in on upon ourselves. We started to think of us not, as not having another child as a punishment from God. Were we bad parents? Were we bad people? Did we do something wrong? These are questions that we ask ourselves a lot. So these are some of the things that we put on ourselves. And guess what? We were going to church. We were working in ministry, but we still struggled with this stuff. These are the words of the enemy. The enemy loves to do this kind of stuff. He loves to just start things going on in your mind. He loves to put doubt in your hearts. And this turned into a very hard time, a very dark time for Lucinda and I. But you know that in the darkest time is when the light shines the brightest, right? Yeah. And we know that God's word is real. We know that God's word is true. We decided at one point we, after prayer, we decided that if God only wants us to have two kids, then your will be done. And we're going to be obedient to that. We're going to submit to that. Praise God. And don't you know that submitting to God can be a beautiful thing, a beautiful act. Soon after that, that change of heart, that lightening of the load, the burden that was on our shoulders, we had taken it off, we just put it at the foot of the cross. One evening I came home from work And saw Lucinda eating pepperoncinis out of the jar. (laughs) And I made the off-comment joke that, hey, maybe you're pregnant. Now, men, a word of warning. (laughs) When joking about pregnancy, either be ready for a very bad reaction if she's not pregnant. Or be ready for the joke being on you if she is. But No. Her response was, that's impossible. That's impossible. Well, as we were learning, nothing is impossible with God. The ESV version of that same scripture that we just read, I love the way this one goes. Verse 37 says, for nothing will be impossible with God. And then soon, yeah, we found out that the joke was yet on me. We were pregnant. Praise God. And we weren't going to let some doctor come and tell us that we can't have a kid or that this pregnancy needs to be terminated. This was a gift from God. And we were going to treat it as such. We were going to respect that gift. We were going to love that gift. We we're going to praise God for that gift. We're not going to let some doctor tell us what we can and cannot do. So thank you, God, for the gift of Leilani Grace, which means heavenly child by the grace of God. Praise the Lord. So upon hearing Gabriel... Tell Mary, for no word we're, well, from God will ever fail. In verse 37, this, these words, they humbled Mary. They humbled her. She just wants to serve God. She loves God. In verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. Basically, she's saying, God your will be done in my life. Your will be done and then the angel left her. The point is when you have a word from God that's all you need in your life. Just to hear God, just to follow God. Do you believe that when you read when you read that when sorry. Do you believe that what you're reading will be fulfilled. When you're reading the Bible, do you believe that when God is talking in the Bible that it will be fulfilled? Do you trust in the Word of God? Take a look at this video.
1: I trust in what the Bible says in my life. And so by reading it and being encouraged and even challenged, um, it says in First in Timothy where it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And then it's taking those uh, truths that you read and just applying them to your life and trusting God in the midst of it. Some of it's hard um, to kind of trust God in that, but it's having that faith that this is a journey walking with God and he's going to walk me through even the difficult times and and to be encouraged in the midst of that just to keep going.
0: And let's be honest, there's going to be times when you're reading the Bible And you're going to read something that you don't want to read. God's saying something you don't want to hear. But trust in Him. It doesn't matter if things come right down to the wire or if the odds are stacked against you. If your enemies are surrounding you on all sides like like Gideon's army, God is yet faithful to deliver. He is not limited by our limitations. He always makes good on His promises. We see things in, in one way where we just want to do it ourselves. You know, and we and we try to do it ourselves, and we try and we try and we try. We butt heads with God all the time. God's always saying, No, just do it my way. And but it's not as fun, right? We're like, well, no, I just want to do it like this, you know, and God just wants us to follow him, believe in his word, trust in him. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve for the purpose for which I sent it. Mark t- ten twenty seven says, that Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? The Bible clearly states in 2 Timothy that if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Lifespring, even when we are being faithless and do things our own way, God will remain faithful to us. He cannot fail us no matter what. So what word this morning does God have for you? What word is he speaking into, into your life on Monday when you're driving to work? He's speaking to you all the time, every moment of the day, he's speaking to you. But we tend to block out that noise with noise. We tend to block it out as noise with, with the kids fighting, or with uh, conversations with bosses or relationships, honking of horns. We tend to ignore God's voice, or we just flout out ignore it because we just don't like what he's saying. Are we obeying God? and asking for His will to be done in our lives. This is a struggle, and it's a real struggle. We all go through it. It's why it's so important, so important to keep reading the Bible. Stay sensitive to the voice of God in your life. Listen for His voice, and He will speak to you. You are not alone. You are never alone. As part of our fast, um, th- this week we're going to have a special service on Tuesday at 7 p.m., It's going to be a special prayer service, and you are all invited. You do not have to be fasting to come to the service. It will be a special time of just you and God. We'll have some worship. We'll probably have communion, but we're going to have a focus on prayer. Everybody's invited and encouraged. We all need prayer. We all need community. And this is one of the ways of being sensitive to God's word in your life. It's going to be a time carved out in the middle of the week. In the middle of a busy week, when you don't think you should be at church, when you think it's impossible to get there, there's that time carved out for you to be with God. In this service, it's the halfway point of our fast. It's day 20 of our fast. And it's about giving praise to God. Did you know that? About giving praise to God. So we're going to come in here on Tuesday, come in with an expectant heart. An expectant heart. You're going to hear from God. Expect to hear from him. Expect good things from God. Pray for His will to be done in your life. And there's times in life when you feel that your faith is draining away, when you believe that God has left you. That's the enemy speaking into you. When that happens, pour yourself into the pages of the Bible. We have a year long Bible reading that the church is doing right now, and we're doing it together. It's, you can do it on your phone. It's an app on your phone, and it's not too late to sign up for it. I know that you'll probably miss the first two weeks of it, but you can start today and read along. There are 50 people in LifeSpring who are reading this Bible together, 50 people who are praying together, 50 people who are commenting together about the Bible. Join us for that. Amen. It's a powerful thing. Yeah. Do you have, have a specific plan that you follow personally for reading the word let's see what marcy has to say about that
1: i've enjoyed being part of the um, reading plan that the church is encouraging us to do and it's just an app on my phone and then it, you just go through and read the scriptures and there's some um, just some devotional material with it and then there's also comments so it's being able to see how uh, see what other people are getting out of the scripture reading for the day, and then putting my own comments on there, too, to help encourage other people. So it's just, it's a way to stay accountable and to be encouraged in reading the Bible
0: every day. What's funny is I I happened to turn on my phone, and I just seen on my Bible app that Marcy Mayer commented on day 20 of the plan. Or, so... She was speaking to us, and she was commenting on the Bible. I'm not sure if she's here right now, but just thought that was pretty cool to see. God's Word, the Bible, has stood the test of time. It's the same as it always has been. And it's been refined by fire. It is pure. It is flawless. It is enduring. It is eternal, and it is, most importantly, absolutely true let it be your shield let it be your source of protection Uh, if you're like me um, sometimes when you leave church is when in our past in in our marriage is when we had our biggest fights when we left church on our way home it got so bad we're like why do we go to church if all we're gonna do is fight going home that's when you have to get into your bible that is when you you know if you're married read the bible together find something to do together, pray together. In Proverbs 30, 30, it says, every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Life spring, take refuge in God. Take refuge in the word of God. It is there for you. When you're on your way to work, even if you don't want to read it, you can listen to it. That's what I do on my way to work. I hit play, and I'm listening to the Bible on my way to work. Stay engaged in the Bible. Stay engaged with God. And there's one thing you need to know before leaving today. It's this. Nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, is impossible with God. And if you let Him, and you obey Him, and let His will be done in your life, God will do amazing things. In your life, let's pray. Father God, we just, we thank you, God. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you so much for your Word of God. We thank you for the, uh, the opportunity to dive into the Bible, to hear the voices of Jesus, the voice of God speaking into us. We just, I just pray, Lord, that when we leave here today, that, yeah, we leave here with a changed heart. We leave here, and we think about the Word of God, and when we start, and not just today, but tomorrow as well, on our way to work, we listen to the Bible, we read the Bible, we stay engaged with the Bible, God, because you are an amazing Father, and you've got good things for us, not bad things for us, good things for us, and we just want to hear about these good things. We want to be a part of these good things. We want to accept these good things into our lives. very good God. We just love you so, so much. In your son's name we pray. Amen.